Hi, and a welcome to our Literature-Based Learning Explained session for our Sunlight Connection Summit. I am Sunny, I'm Sunlight's Community Manager, and I'm also a homeschool mom of two children who have been educated entirely with sunlight. Joining me today are Sheila and Jana. Sheila, why don't you tell us about yourself and why you chose to use a literature-based curriculum? Okay, uh, my name is Sheila and I have three kids that we homeschooled. We started with uh, the when the oldest one was in kindergarten, and we went all the way through. And I chose I chose a literature-based uh, curriculum because it sounded like it was going to be so much fun to learn that way. And it was. And Jana, why don't you tell us about you? Why did you choose to homeschool with Sunlight? And tell us about your kids. Hi, I'm Jana Lawrence. I have four kids, two boys, two girls. And um, I chose Sunlight because I like having books on my shelves. And I like to read books. But that's really my first jump in was because I had a lot of great books. Yeah, and I'm very similar. I've always loved to read since I was young. A lot of my childhood memories go back to the books I read as a kid. And so Sunlight just felt like a natural fit. But for those who are unfamiliar, can we explain a little bit more about what literature-based learning is or what we mean when we say that? Absolutely. So I discovered it actually at a homeschool convention and I attended a workshop where they talked about what literature-based lear learning was. And I actually have an education degree. So I thought I knew exactly what I was gonna do. You know, I mean, I, I I'm, I'm trained in this. So I, I was pretty confident about what I, what I was going to do with my kids. And then I attended this workshop and my eyes were opened. And I was like, is that allowed? Can you just sit on the couch and read books and it counts as school? Like how, how can that work? Um, so that's how I was exposed to it. And, and I jumped right, right in that first year. I was gonna say, I'm the opposite of Sheila. I jumped in because my husband shoved me into the homeschooling pool. And I said, I have a math and computer science degree. I know nothing about raising kids or teaching kids and educating them, this is going to be a disaster. But I picked up Sunlight, like I said, because it had all the books and I at least knew I would have books that I liked when they all went to public school afterwards and it was not gonna lose any money of our investment. And I found out very quickly, I could take books and teach my kids and I did not have to have that formal education of knowing how to educate my kids because Sunlight walked me through using books and learning that in that way as opposed to through a textbook and worksheets yeah absolutely we always say if you can read you can teach with sunlight i also did not come from an ed education background at all um, and never in a million years would have guessed that i would homeschool my kids we just happened to be moving at the time my daughter was going to enter preschool and so we weren't sure where we were going to be, and I saw all of the beautiful books in Sunlight's preschool program, and I thought, well, surely that's not that hard to, you know, read fun stories, teach her maybe her numbers or how to write her name or something very basic. Um, but of course, within a year or two, we fell in love with Sunlight and kept going, and I discovered that because the way Sunlight is set out, it's very easy to teach all the harder things too, right? Like learning to read and write and math and all those skills that kids learn when they're a little bit older. But can you really learn all that you need to learn just by reading stories? That sounds too easy at first, you know, glance when you first hear that or when you first see somebody talking about it. You know, can you really learn all you need to know? And how does that work as kids get older? 
I was going to say you can, you can't all, you can't read Dr. Seuss and have a high school education, <laughs> but nor can you read a Harlequin romance and know truths about history. But if you have good literature that's written well, and it is historically correct, you can learn through these books, biographies of our, our, our ancestors, our, you know, founding fathers and stuff, as well as just being exposed to well-written words that our kids are going to know this is how you speak. This is how you write. So yes, you do learn. Yeah. You retain so much more information when it's, uh, when it's in the context of a story. So if you think back to your school days, um, most of us were taught with textbooks and worksheets and tests. And, um, and unless you had an exceptional te teacher, and I know that they are out there, um, it may have been a little boring and you may not have retained the information that you learned. Like you probably learned just enough to take the test for chapter five, and then you had to dump that information in order to memorize and remember the information that you needed for chapter six. And so you didn't really come away with details and nuances of historical uh, times, periods, events. Um, Literature-based lear learning works really well in certain areas. It is exceptional for learning history. I hated history as a child because it was so boring. Um, it's also really good to learn uh, English, grammar, that kind of thing, um, but also science, especially in the younger years, because in the younger years, you're just exposing kids to the different scientific categories. I'm not sure what to call them, like, you know, biology and zoology and chemistry and um, all the different um, areas of science. So you're not going for mastery in the younger years, you're really going for exposure and, and just trying to make it interesting. So literature-based lear learning is when you are learning those subjects through books that were written by people who are passionate about the subject. And it's not just facts, 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 facts. Um, it, there is a storyline, there's plot, um, there is conflict, uh, there are characters. Um, but even in the science section, um, even if it's not as story driven as maybe history or e English, it is still written with such a um, just a more interesting way. And it is a little bit more narrow. So like if you're learning about planets, you're going to learn about that as opposed to like an entire um, general science, you know, from A to Z kind of a thing. So, so that is what literature-based lear learning is in a nutshell. It's learning history, especially uh, just through books, through great stories. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about how Sunlight does that with the history spine and then the historical literature or then like the language arts literature. Um, because I think if you're unfamiliar with the way Sunlight does it, it's, it's hard to picture that, I guess, the, and how you get that flow of history if you guys want to touch on the timeline sunlight uses and some of that as well um to kind of connect those things and make it where the child really understands you know the flow of history maybe the flow of that science topic or whatever it is that they're studying at that time well I'll touch real quick on the spine I mean that took me a while to understand what our spine was doing I mean 
again, I'm a math and I'm a computer person. So, but the spine tells you, keeps you in your history timeline. So it's just walking you through this snippet of history and then allows us then to add in our other books to put it to a story form, but it just keeps mom or dad on track in our sequence. And we're able to take our timeline figures in our timeline book and add them in, or if you want to put them on your wall or whatever you want, but the timeline books are very easy, compactable thing that you can keep for all your kids, all their years. So I did try to put it on my wall when I had kids. It was, it didn't work. <laughs> so just as a spine for your bo body gives you your body, the framework for you to be able to, you know, stand up and walk and things like that talk, um, a history spine does the same thing. So so like John, John was saying, it is one book or maybe two that will carry the thread of history through. So depending on if you are focusing your history on American history, and so you're going to start with the beginning and, and work your way through the various time per periods in American history, or if it is world history or civics or um a world history that is going to focus on instead of uh, Western civilization, the more Eastern side of the world. So depending on what the topic of history is that you're covering, sunlight has a spine or two, especially in the younger years, we will often carry two spines. One is going to be more of a chapter book. So it's going to, it's going to carry the story, the thread of history, but then concurrently to that book, we have another spine that has a lot more pictures. So if you're learning about the Egyptian and you're learning about pharaohs and mummies and um, pyramids and all that kind of stuff, um, what they ate, how they dressed, how they farmed, all that, um, you're reading about that in one book and then you're also going to read about it in your second spine that has all the pictures that shows you what the clothes look like and what the pyramid looks like and what the pharaoh wore and um, how they were buried and things like that. So for the younger years, especially when kids are still in that concrete stage where they're very visual and they need to see the pictures to really help them understand it, we, we carry two spines and we're going to flip between the two as we work our way through. In addition to that, we will also have a read aloud that will also tie in with that historical time frame. So um, if you're reading about Egyptians, then you're also going to read a story that will take place during that time per period. We do that more as the kids get older. In the younger years, we also want to expose kids to just some really great stories and great li literature. And sometimes they're not historically related. They're just good stories. Mm -hmm. And um, there just aren't as many stories about Egypt for a first grader. They just <laughs> don't exist. So if you want to make some mo money, go write, go write those books. Um, but as they get older, somewhere around third, fourth, fifth grade, uh, all of the books that we read, the read alouds and what the child reads, which is what we call the reader. So the read alouds the parents read, the reader the child reads, both of those books will tie in with the historical time per period. Every once in a while, Sunlight will throw in just a for fun book. Um, but for the most part, I would say 90% of the books for that particular year 
it will be historically relevant to what you are covering in history. And again, it is like an onion. So as you peel an onion layer back, you get another layer underneath. So you read your spine, you read your read aloud, you read your re reader, and you really, really immerse yourself into the time per period and what it was like to live then, what the people ate, what they wore, what the weapons were like, what their homes were like, you know, all of that. And um, it's just such a rich way to learn history. Yeah, I agree. It makes it so fun and you remember it so much better. I know uh, my youngest is doing American history right now. And the other day we saw a video in Boston and they were showing Paul Revere's home and it was just somebody online on their vacation. And he goes, I don't know who Paul Revere is. We read about him several times, both in his uh, history book, but then also in the literature. We read like Johnny Tremaine and different books like that that went along with that history spine. And it was like, I, he's real. Like it, it really came to life in understanding, you know, for him in a way that I think a lot of kids that age, you memorize, like you said earlier, Sheila, you memorize the facts to take the test. I know I could tell you every year of everything, but I didn't connect like, well, this was happening in this part of the world in this year. This was also happening over here, really until the Sunlight Timeline book. And then I, I could see it side by side. That's what Jonna was referencing earlier. We include a timeline book as a recommended resource with little pictures when the kids are in elementary school. And then it's suggestions that you write in it as they get older. Um, but it you as you're learning about things, you're adding them to your timeline book. And then after a few years of sunlight, you can see like, okay, I studied world history this year. I studied American history this year. Well, that same year, these things were happening in different areas. Um, and so for me as the parent, that's been really neat to see and make those connections that I had never thought about when I was in school. Um, but then to see my kids making those connections much earlier, like you guys said with the stories, it's so much more fun. They get to know those characters. It's like, oh yeah, that's an old friend that I remember from this book. Um, so it definitely makes it way more engaging. But how do you actually teach that? You lightly touched on readers versus read alouds. Um, you know, as a parent, if you're looking at all these books and you have a young child who doesn't read yet, that's a little intimidating. But then also as your kids get older, who's reading what? How do you actually teach it? I mean, do you just hand your child the stack of books? How does that work? So Sunlight has a wonderful tool called the Instructor's Guide, and that is going to hold your ske schedule. It'll have te teaching notes, um, and it that is what you follow to see, you know, what your next reading thing is. So I touched on you have a spine. You're going to read what the assignment says. You're going to check check your sheet, and it's going to say read pages 14 to 17 in this spine. So you read that and then maybe I'm maybe you learn about Christopher Columbus. So um, I'm going to quiz you now. Think about what you know about Christopher Columbus and you know he discovered America 1492. He went before the king and queen of Spain and they gave him three ships and he discovered the new world. That's probably about it. Maybe some of you our history majors from college and you know a little bit more, but for the most part, when I talk to people in the homeschool uh, convention booth, the, the sunlight booth, pretty much that is what people tell me they, they, they learned. Um, I think this whole idea of literature-based lear learning, like the light bulb for me really went off the year that we read a book called Pedro's Journal. 
And this is a very small book. It's a skinny little book and it is fictional. This is, there is no pet Pedro that we know about, but it is a fictitious story of the cabin boy on Christopher Columbus's ship. And he keeps the ship's log. And so, um, you know, he writes down, um, um, each day, every few days, daily. thank you. Yeah. Um, what is happening on the ship? And so as you are reading through the book, you are journeying with Christopher Columbus on his ship and you are seeing, you're experiencing what is going on. So you are immersed, like you are a character on the ship and you are seeing that uh, they only have 28 days worth of food and water. That's it. Cause that's what they expect. That's how long they think it'll take for them to go to India, which is where they were actually going. They were not trying to find a new world. And so over the course of time, they are getting closer and closer to the point of no return where if they don't turn around now, they're not going to have enough. They're going to run out of food and water. And so the tension builds and it is just riveting to imagine what it must have been like. And we don't get that when you read a textbook. You get about a paragraph worth of information and then you move on, you know, and all of a sudden you're colonizing the new world. Like there's so much that is lost and this little book makes it come alive. It's just amazing. Yeah, Jana, do you wanna tell us a little bit more about the instructor's guide maybe? So Sheila mentioned asking, you know, the question about what did you learn about Columbus? Can you talk a little bit about our discussion notes and how, like you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to extrapolate all this information from what you read to your child. Can you explain that a little bit? I would gladly, because Sheila is, everything Sheila said is absolutely what happens. Um, when you have your spine, let's say we're still on Christopher Columbus, you probably in your instructor guide also have a map point that you would point to the map. So you are well aware you have Spain, you have Portugal, and we haven't put in America yet, but we're talking about these European countries. And so you've looked them up on the map. You have questions for your kids, maybe saying, why, who did he go to talk to? Or, you know, you're gonna delve into what you read in a quick answer for your students. So you, as a parent, you don't have to know all the information, which I love because I'm like Sunny and history was not my forte when I was in high school or college. Um, I've learned so much with my kids and I say with them because I was right along learning and going, really that happened? I didn't know. But um, so you're, you're just questions and answers. You have a discussion and we give you all those questions and answers. And then you have your timeline little figure that you'll put in and that might be with your spine. And then when we go to Pedro's journal, and they go through and they there might be something that happens or they talk about you know landing where they landed so then we might have another map point that we pull in and so as we've read and the stories come alive we've watched them just imagine that little dotted line going across the atlantic all of a sudden you're landing on the other side and you have this map you're hanging on the wall or you have on your dining room table that your kids are put, putting in their map points and we give you the answers to those two in your instructor guide. There's this fun tri-folded map. So mom, dad, you do not have to know where Timbuktu is. We will tell you where it's at. Um, but it's all there. And so we can just learn with them. But it's just every answer, every question, all the map points, 
we provide it all for you here in our instructor guide. That is what really makes sunlight sunlight is the instructor guide. And if you say you do sunlight and you don't have or you don't use it, you're not getting the full benefit of everything that's been put into this curriculum. So yeah, so that's just a tidbit. Yeah, definitely use the instructor guide. I, I love what you said about that because yeah, I know, you know, like we said earlier, you and I did not come from a teaching background. Sheila did, but again, a classroom is very different than you one child, two children, you know, three children in your home, depending on, you know, whether you're combining them or your kids are too far apart in age or whatever you're doing. It's very different than a classroom setting. Um, and you're cuddled up on the couch while you're reading. And I know early on I saw all the photos and I was like, oh, that looks fun, but are they going to learn anything? But when I started looking through the instructor's guide and saw, you know, the questions and the vocabulary words that are outlined there in case I don't know what a word means and the map points and the timeline, I realized, oh, wow, this is so rich, so thorough. I can teach the kids all these things. Um, and something that's been fun for us is that we have so much fun learning together. Like you said, I learned right along with them. Half the time I'm like, what did I learn when I was in school? <laughs> I was a good student and I feel like I didn't learn anything, <laughs> you know, now that I'm actually teaching the kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I'm learning along with them, um, we also have taken on kind of this whole family culture of now we blank learning together. So if we can't find an answer, it's great for us to research it together. It's something that we enjoy doing. It doesn't take a huge amount of time, but so much of it is already in the IG above and beyond that instructor's guide. Sorry, IG is what we call it, um, but it's so far you know, above and beyond what you might think you need to know. Um, and if you can read it, you can teach it to your kids. So let's talk about grading and evaluating because we talked earlier a little bit about memorizing things for tests and then you dump that information and you forget it so you're not really retaining it but how in the world do you know if your kids are learning you know if you're not testing them are they writing or is it oral like what methods do you use to actually figure out what your child knows and if they're on track for where they need to be well again it's exposure so you know we don't expect our kindergartens to be able to answer every single question that we ask you were just seeing like how much of this is sticking how much are they comprehending it could be that they're paying attention and it's just kind of over their head because they're still pretty young um and then other kids they're you know they might be a little flighty and so they might be distracted and um and so you need to kind of rein rein them back in but it's a conversation. So if I'm having a conversation with a friend and she's distracted by her phone or, you know, she's not really like she's not really looking me in the eye and not following along, I can tell you, you can usually tell when someone is tracking with you or not because of the body language and the way you interact with kids. It's similar. I mean, I don't expect them to stare me in the eyes. I often would read aloud while they were playing on the floor with uh, Legos or puzzles or things like that. Um, but I would periodically stop and ask some of those questions. And eventually I didn't even use the instructor's guide questions. I used them at first just to kind of, you know, this is the right way to do it. And I like to do things the right way. But after a while, I'm like, okay, so I get the kinds of questions that Sunlight asks. And so I can just ask my own questions. And if I could tell that, that the kids, like I was like, mm, I'm not sure they're, they're really engaged right now. I think they're kind of going off. Then I would stop what I was doing and I would um, either ask a question that I think that they can 
answer. Or I would say, all right, what's going on in the story right now? Tell me what's going on. And I would listen, you know, I, I would wait for their feedback and see how much they could tell me. Oftentimes they would give me great detail. Well, the boys were in a blue jacket and, you know, like he, they, they can regurgitate a lot of information. Um, sometimes there's like, uh, there's a boy and, and they're not giving me a lot of information. And that's when I'm like, mm, okay, you weren't really paying attention. Let's go back. Um, and if you can't pay attention, we're going to have to put the, the le Legos away, you know, like there, there are things that mom can do to kind of make, make them, um, want to play along. Um, so you can ask the questions, you can um, ask for them to tell back, that's called narration. So have them narrate the story back to you. Oftentimes, the best way to learn is to you teach. So you have your child teach back to you what you've taught them. Um, there are there are very few tests. As the kids get into high school, we, we have tests for math and things like that. But as far as assessing what they're comprehending with, um, with especially history, but even science, science, it's a lot of back and forth. It's a conversation. So if they can engage in the conversation and they can answer the questions or give you back some information, then you know that they're lear learning. And if they can't answer every single question, get out of the mindset of they're only going to get an A if they can answer every single question that I ask, because there are things that I don't know. I'm lear learning along with them. And if they ask me the question, I may not have picked up on that one de detail, but I have a whole pile of other de details over here that I remembered and you didn't ask me about. So keep in mind too, that we, um, I, I mentioned that it's about exposure, we, we do three sweeps through history. So if you're starting at the beginning and they're very, very young, they will be exposed to American history, world history, world cultures. As they get older, they're going to get exposed to that again. And as they get into high school, they're going to get it again. So yes, they're going to learn the same things, but they are a different person when they're at that age and they're going to come away understanding things at a deeper le level and they'll pick up on different um, de details, things that, that, you know, that you've read about now, maybe you read about it when they were in kindergarten, but they didn't remember, but they're going to pick up on it now. So it's really a very fluid way of assessing, but I promise you having graduated three, it does work. Okay. Everything Sheila said, the other thing I would add in is watch maybe observation of your kids in play. I can remember my kids sometimes were not very wordy in their answers to me when I asked them, but then I could watch them play when they were younger and they often incorporated wherever we're in in history becomes part of their play because that's where their mindset's at. And it goes on, you see it in high school when they're reading and they're in their history, often they'll bring up, I was reading about you know whatever president or this movement in history isn't that what we just happened in the world today you know they're remembering and it's just in high school we have a lot of deep conversations but just to watch them apply what they're learning into just what their everyday life is then you can also assess you know i would give them an a if they knew how to build a castle and they were calling it all the same parts that was great medieval history check we we got it mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love that conversational piece 
because my kids learn very differently. I have one child that's more black and white and she can give you all the facts, but if you ask her, okay, well, what does that mean? That's kind of a, oh, now I need to think about like, what does that actually mean? Then my younger child, you can ask names and dates and he does not remember any of that. But if you say, what did you hear me read to you? He can tell you the whole story. And like Sheila said, he'll remember the little details. Well, the boy was wearing this and the girl was wearing this. And he's very creative and he can tell you all of that information better than the black and white facts. So I learned with the um, questions in the instructor's guide, like Sheila said, to kind of changed my approach for the different kids. And, you know, now that my oldest is in high school, she's the very black and white one. She could answer all those questions when she was young. But now, you know, we're having the conversations of, okay, well, tell me what that means. Or how do you feel about that? Or what would you do in that situation? And because we're having those conversations, I'm able to see exactly what she's understanding from what she's reading. And not just, can she give me the facts? And then same thing with my son. If I was just asking him the questions, I would think he wasn't listening because he couldn't answer a lot of those questions. But yet when he tells me what he heard, I could absolutely hear, oh yeah, he understood exactly what was going on. He understands how the characters are interacting, even if he can't remember anyone's name to save his life. So yeah, so that I love the fact that literature-based is great for, you know, different types of learners and you can use it with anybody because you can talk to anybody. You can ask them questions um, and read those stories together. So let's talk about those skill-based subjects. We alluded to grades, especially in high school. If you're doing a high school transcript, you're going to have to have grades on it. So how do you evaluate, you know, maybe a grade in one of those lit-based subjects, but then also what do you do for the skill-based subjects? How does Sunlight do that? We are in all subject curriculum. We haven't really touched on those. So what do we do for like math and the literature, language arts, like that type of stuff? Well, math is easy. Um, you have a math curriculum and they do get tests at the end of whatever lesson or chapter that they're working on. And so that's an easy, you do the work, we take the test and we can assess. And I have had kids that have taken the test and they bomb it and I'll give them time to go back and review and retake. But I, my standpoint for my kids was if you're retaking the test, you automatically are not gonna make an A. I don't care if you make a hundred on it, you're gonna make a B. I, but that's so do the work to make the A and I'll reward you that way. So I know Sheila has literature. I see her ready to go. <laughs> well, even with math, I, I, I took it as a little bit of a different approach. My goal was that they would learn. And so if they, if they didn't get it the first time, then maybe it was my fault. Like I was not a good enough. I didn't te teach it well enough for them to get it on the first go, go round. So um, so I, I put the onus on me, like that's my fault. And so I'm let's, let's go back and do it again. So I would joke with my kids like, oh, you are getting an A if we got to do this five times, like we're, we're going to, so they learn like, oh, I better just, you know, do, do the work so that I don't have to do this five times because we're not moving on. Like especially math it builds and so there's no sense in like you you get a c and then we're going to build on this very fault faulty found foundation we're going to go back and we're going to do the work and you're going to understand it and then we're going to go on um, i will say sheila i will interject that my kids had to like we graded everything and we would review the questions and i would they would not be given the test until they said i am ready to take I'm the ready. test and get yeah. it yeah but if then they bombed it i was like mm. 
You said you were ready. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so yeah, I, I think like John, John has said, math is easy. It's pretty black and white. So, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to be able to say 90, 90%, 80%, 70% or whatever. Uh, but those subjective cl classes, how do you grade history and how do you grade English? Because it's not as black, black and white. Um, and so there are a number of things that you can do. One is to create a ru rubric and you get to decide. You are the te teacher, so you get to decide what goes on that ru rubric. So in order to make an A in this class, you must read every book write every paper, polish five, like you can decide what the parameters are. And don't be excessive. Like you don't want to crush their spirit, spirit, but it can't be like, oh, if you read two books and you write a paper, you're good. You know, like it's got to be re reasonable. And then the child can say, you know what? I don't want to read every book. There are 40 books in a curriculum or whatever, I'm just, you know, ma making up a number and um, I want a life. So I'm going to only read thir 30 of them. And so if you only read, you know, three quarters of the books, then maybe that's a B. If you only read half, that's a C. I mean, you get to decide what the ru rubric said. Um, I, I didn't do that. I did not create a rubric. Um, again, I'm like, Oh, we're getting an A. We're doing the work. So, so I think a lot of it too is setting expectation up front. Um, so if you give them a way out, they're going to take the way out, you know. Um, and so for history, because there is not really a written component to history, we don't write about it. It's a discussion. So for me, it was you show up willing to work. We we do the re reading together, even in high school. Um, I have dyslexic kids, so two of my three are dyslexic, so I read aloud in high school. I just found it was easier for me. Otherwise, I was going to have to read on the side and, and then, you know, have the, the discussion. And if she didn't get it, I didn't know how to go back and, like, re refresh. So it was just easier for me to just, let's just read this together. And so we, I read aloud even in high school. Um, and then we would have the, the discussion. And again, if we're having a bad day, everyone has a bad day. Girls have certain times of the month that they are less having bad days than others. And, um, and so I would keep that in mind, but for the most part, I had pretty compliant kids. And so they made A's because they showed up and we did the work and we did it together. And then for e English, they had to write. That is how we assess comprehension. Um, in our lit literature pro programs, we read books and we write about them. So in the high school le levels, they, there's a weekly writing assignment. In the lower levels, there's a weekly write writing assignment, but it's age appropriate. And so did we polish every paper? No, we did not. I tried to polish a variety of, of things. So it might be a persuasive essay, an expository essay, a journal entry, like depending on the kinds of write, writing, I would want to make sure that we went back and polished, you know, one of each type um, over the course of the four four years. So, you know, we didn't polish every, every research paper, even if they wrote one every year. I just wanted them to get exposed and to get used to um, writing and writing well and when you write a paper a week, you get like, it doesn't become a thing anymore. Like in college, writing a 
you know, a five page paper was no big deal because they, they were used to write, writing a lot. If you only write three times a year, college is hard because now you're having to really learn how to write, but you desensitize them by writing a lot and reading a lot. So that's, that's how we, we did it. Yeah. And I think for anybody watching that's saying, oh, I'm not good at math or I'm not good at writing or any of that, all of that is included in your sunlight program. The um, instructor's guides have rubrics for language arts. So if you're wondering, well, what do I, am I grading for grammar? Am I grading for content? You know, what am I grading for here? There's a rubric that gives you a guideline with an example of how many points you might put towards certain things. Um, also math programs, several of the ones that Sunlight carries, especially as you get into those harder levels, have videos of somebody else teaching them. So I know math can be intimidating. If you are not a mathy person, you're like, what do I do if my child gets to algebra and then I forgot everything? You know, so we have several math programs that include the videos that do a lot of the teaching for you, as well as thorough answer keys. So you can figure out how to get to the answer. Um, same thing with science, answer keys. I mean, everything is provided for you so that, again, you don't have to come in knowing how to do anything and everything your child wants to learn, which I think is a misconception sometimes is that, oh, if I'm homeschooling my child, I have to know everything. Sunlight really does make it easy for you to learn along with them. Um, and then as they get older, they become more independent. They offer parent and teacher student guides in the high school levels. So that way your student can work independently as well and really teach themselves how to learn so that when they get to college, like Sheila said, it's not like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I don't know how to do this because they've already been doing it all along. So ladies, do you have any more tips or things you want to share about literature-based learning with everybody watching today? My only thing would be that you will not regret being literature-based. If you enjoy reading, if you enjoy spending time with your kids, it is one of the most enjoyable ways I found to try to teach my kids. I felt like we were having story time every time we sat down and got to read together. So that would be enjoy it. Yeah, I, I would uh, tag along with that and just say it doesn't feel like work. Um, you get to snuggle with your kids or even if they want to play on the floor while, while you read, you get to sit on the couch and relax and read. Um, I remember many times reading until I had no voice and be like, okay, kids, we need to take a break. <laughs> I need to go drink some water. And, you know, I, I need my voice to come back because the kids would be like, oh, one more chapter, mommy. And I'd be like, okay, because I would want one more chapter. So you get to learn, learn along with them. You get to be there to watch that light bulb mo moment when they get that math concept or when they learn how to read. It's like when they're small and you get to watch them take their first steps. So it is a privilege. It is an honor to be their teacher and um, and yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. It is so much fun. I agree with that. Um, and I love, my kids have a five-year age gap. So it's always fun when I get to revisit a book that I loved the first time around, The you know, again. And oftentimes I'll see my older child kind of sneaking back in, you know, to re-listen with her brother because that was one of her favorite books. Um, or maybe it's something that she forgot about, but she knew that it was one that she liked. And so she'll kind of come and rejoin us. Um, and so it's super fun. And these books become 
you know, memories with your kids. And like you ladies said, it doesn't feel like work because you're getting to sit there and cuddle up with your kids and spend time together. So we encourage everyone watching to head over to sunlight.com and check out the programs. If you need any help at all, you can contact our advisors or our mentors in the Sunlight Connections app. And we would love to give you our advice, maybe if you're trying to choose your program or you have more questions and we appreciate you being here with us today.